seriously popular. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. While she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. This is a podcast about one of the most anticipated criminal trials for years. It involves the most shocking of allegations, the alleged murders and attempted murders of tiny, premature babies at the hands of a neonatal nurse whose very job it was to look after them. Lucy Letby is on trial at Manchester Crown Court, accused of killing seven infants and injuring ten more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. In total, there are 22 charges, all of which she denies. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail, I will be in court to report on the case as it develops. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. Every week on this podcast, we'll examine what's happened and bring you the details behind the headlines. This is the trial of Lucy Letby. The case against Lucy Letby is that she murdered or tried to kill 17 babies while she was working as a neonatal nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital in the northwest of England. She denies the charges. The babies in this trial are not being named for legal reasons, and the identities of their families are also being protected. They're known only as babies A to Q. Seven of the babies died. Ten survived. Each one of these babies was or is someone's son or daughter and the mums, dads and families of every baby are present in court, listening to every detail of how their child was allegedly killed or harmed. We'll be bringing you that detail as the jury is hearing it from the prosecution and defence. We're getting behind the headlines to explain far more than the news reports you'll be reading, watching and listening to. And the importance of a fair trial is paramount, so we won't be getting into anything in this podcast that the jury have not been told, because they are the 12 people who have to decide the outcome of this case. The jury's hearing about each baby in turn. They've been told 13 babies were allegedly killed or harmed by Lucy Letby between June 2015 and April 2016. But today, Caroline, in this bonus episode, we're not focusing on any of the babies in the case. 
Today's focus is the nurse in the dock, who's at the centre of this trial. And that's because, Liz, in the last few days, we've gained a bit more of an insight into the private life of Lucy Letby. The jury's been shown a series of text messages which have shone a light on her as a person, not just a nurse. And we're going to explain what we've learned. We're also going to be joined by freelance journalist Louise Tickle, who's going to explain how journalists have finally been given access to the family court, which for many years have been able to make life-changing decisions in secret. Welcome to episode 21, The Defendant. So Liz, over the last few months since this trial began back in October last year, the court's mainly been hearing about the babies at the centre of the case and what the prosecution say happened to them. But so far, the jury haven't heard much about the woman facing the allegations. And that's because, Caroline, her defence case hasn't started yet. Now, the jury can see her because she's brought to court every day and she's following proceedings intently from her seat behind the glass panel dock in Court 7 at Manchester Crown Court. But the jury have yet to hear from her, so the snippets we know about her have only been gleaned from evidence so far presented by the prosecution. So what do we already know? Well, most of this has been revealed in text messages she exchanged with her colleagues, friends and her parents. We've heard that she attended salsa dancing and hula classes. She also liked watching Corrie, Strictly Come Dancing and Love Island in her spare time. We also know that in April 2016 she moved house and was planning a housewarming party with Prosecco and vodka for her colleagues. She also enjoyed a bet on the Grand National and she won £135 by backing the winner in the 2016 steeplechase and that was on the same day she allegedly tried to kill a pair of twin boys on the unit. We also know that she had a close friendship with one of the doctors who worked at the hospital who other nursing colleagues teased her about flirting with. So today, we're going to take a closer look at some of those messages and examine what they tell us about the nurse at the centre of this trial. So here we go. As usual, this first lot of messages, Caroline, have been voiced by actors. They start with Lucy Letby texting her colleague at about half a state on June the 2nd, 2016. Now that was the day before an alleged attack on the next baby we're due to hear about in the case, Baby N. Had strange message from Dr A earlier. Did you? Saying what? Go, Commando. Laughing face. Laughing emojis. Asking when I was working next week, as wants to talk to me about something. Has a favour to ask? Think he likes you too? Hmm. Did you not ask what it was? No, just said when I was working, and he said wants my opinion on something. Hmm. Thinking emoji. Hmm. Do you think he's being odd? Thought as flirty as you. Shut up. What? I don't flirt with him. Okay. Certainly don't fancy him. Ha ha. Just nice guy. Okay. Liz, you'll remember that a few weeks ago a doctor was called to court to give evidence from behind a screen because his identity was being protected and Lucy Letby got quite upset that day. Now, was this the doctor referred to in these messages, the so-called Dr A? Yeah, that's right. Um, This was during the case of Baby L. He's a twin boy Lucy Letby is accused of poisoning with insulin. Dr A told the jury why low sugar levels are so dangerous for premature babies. He explained it can cause illnesses, seizures and even brain damage. 
Now, when he gave his name to the court, before he started his evidence, Lucy Letby appeared visibly upset. She stood up abruptly to leave the dock. She had a hushed conversation with her solicitor, then agreed to carry on. So in this next exchange, Liz, between Lucy Letby and Dr A, we learn not only about the fact that she was having some problems associated with hypothyroidism, which means that she had an underactive thyroid, but also that she was planning a holiday. Yeah, the jury was shown messages which revealed that by June the 14th, 2016, Lucy Letby had worked six shifts in just eight days. She was working the following day as well, but was tired and looking forward to a week off in Ibiza. Now, we know Lucy Letby usually uses WhatsApp for messages, but the ones you're about to hear between her and Dr A are via Facebook Messenger, as you'll hear. They discuss another holiday she was due to go on with her parents in Devon the following month. Am I right in thinking you'll have done six long days in the last eight? No wonder you're tired. Yep, six and eight. My own doing, though, as holiday is during days off, rather than annual leave. Thank you. I'm having problems with my thyroid, which doesn't help. Just having some cereal and watching Corrie. Bonus that you didn't use any annual leave for your break. Are you going to Torbay again this year? Let me know if I can do anything endocrine to help. As well as coffee, cake and computers. I know my way around TFTs if you need any help. Yep, we are off to Torquay, 2nd July. My parents go three times a year. Thanks, a man of many talents. I've been hypothyroid since I was 11, having blips last 12 months. Just increased dose again, so see if that does the trick. Last time it was increased, I was overtreated and had tremors, etc. GP thinks thyroid's own function is declining with age. Does that sound reasonable? Yes, thyroid function can change with age, amongst other things. If you can't find a workable dose, there's always the option to block your own thyroid with carbimazole and establish an effective thyroxine dose. Have a good breakfast. I think your day may be busy. So just to give these messages a little bit of context, Liz, during this day shift before she went on leave, it's alleged Lucy Letby attacked baby N. Now, he'd been admitted to the unit with the blood clotting condition haemophilia. Yes, and over the course of her shift, she was messaging Dr A, who was on duty later that evening. Baby N's condition deteriorated, so Lucy Letby stayed late. Dr A offered her his car so she didn't have to walk home. The court heard he also brought chocolate in to cheer her up. We should say here that we're highlighting the personal parts of these messages. The messages which the jury have seen also contain a lot of technical medical details about the baby, who they were talking about and what was happening to him at the same time, some of which we've not included here. He's poorly, bled again, sat having a quiet moment and want to cry, just mad with so many people and lack of space, etc. Oh, Lucy, poor little thing. Are you okay? Have a cry. You'll feel better for it, I'm sure. You're welcome to take my car home if you're too tired to walk. I sort out picking it up in the morning. So sorry you've had a rubbish day at the end of your long run. Holiday, well and truly deserved. I'm okay. Just feel like I've been running round all day 
and not really achieved anything positive for him. Don't want to cry in front of people here. Maybe when I'm home. That's very kind, Ari the car, but should be okay. Your day sounds as though it's been horrible. Poor you. Are you going to be okay? I'm sure he's had the best care possible today and that you will have done everything you can for him. Are you doing anything nice before you go on holiday? And tour bay in a few weeks' time. You're not having to do a long run of shifts to get the time off for that, are you? Take care. I'll be fine. You've had a rubbish sleep then. Seeing Kay tomorrow night, as it's her birthday. Otherwise, just sorting stuff at home, ready for holes. No, Torquay is a proper booked holiday. Off for nearly two weeks. Oh, what an end to a rubbish day. I haven't been back to Torbay for a few years. Must be nearly three. I'm always surprised by how little it changes when I go back. Happy memories. I used to love Cockington in the summer. It always looked so pretty when the flowers were out. Have you handed over yet? Cockington is gorgeous. We always go there for afternoon tea. Dad was offered a job in Paynton many moons ago. Could have been a very different childhood growing up by the sea. Looking forward to going back. Hope little man is okay and your night isn't too stressful. On the home straight now, at least. You are a sweetie. Thank you. Chocolate makes bad days a little better. Hope you liked it. That's true. Just a shame. I don't usually eat chocolate, but on this occasion... It was well deserved today. Are you okay? Yes, thank you. Just glad he's okay. Hopefully I'll sleep well tonight and can enjoy getting ready for holes. Are you okay? I'd be surprised if you didn't sleep well after so many long days. So Lucy Letby went off on her holiday to Ibiza and a week or so later on June the 23rd, she was back on duty. And on her first day back on the unit, she's accused of murdering the first of two brothers from a set of identical triplets. Dr A was also on the unit when baby O, who we'll hear more about later in the trial, collapsed and died. In the messages, Lucy Letby says it's rubbish Dr A is stuck in his clinic, so can't be on the neonatal unit. Later, when he offers to get her some lunch, she jokingly suggests tapas. The messages stop as the crisis with baby O unfolds on the shift, but they resume later on in the evening. They continue for several hours after she goes home. They say goodnight at half one in the morning. Are you okay? Think so. Just finishing my notes. Can't wait to get home. How are you? Had a moment in the car. Bit better now. Just walking home. Parents very grateful for everything. Nice to have some fresh air. Your notes must have taken a long time. Had you documented anything from this morning? Can't think straight, so took a while. Phew. Not the first day back you were expecting. I was glad you were there. Everything felt safe. Thank you for looking out for me. No, but it happens. Don't need to thank me. I'm pleased you were there. Think we work well together. Sorry for my loss of composure moment. I was trying to say thanks for checking I was okay. We do work well together. I'm glad you could talk to me, and I hope I helped. That's okay. Good to talk it through, otherwise carry it round. 
There are very few things that a hug can't help fix. One of those days. Thank you for keeping me company again. Sleep well. Don't be daft. It's a two-way thing. And what friends are for? You had me blubbering. Night. Oh no. How guilty do I feel? Good night. Guilty? I mean, you had to see me blubbering at work. Oops, my mistake. I thought it had tipped you over on the end of a bad day. Blubbering at work was normal for someone who cares about the babies and families that they look after. No, no, I'm fully composed. Thank you. A good cry is what's needed sometimes. Hope you sleep. Good night. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So a bit of an insight there into the defendant in this trial via the messages released to the court in the last few days. And Lucy Letby, of course, denies all the charges against her. Now, we've all been hearing quite a lot over the past couple of weeks about a new pilot scheme to allow journalists to report on the family court proceedings for the first time. One journalist who's been at the centre of trying to report family courts for many years is our guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself and explain what you've been doing as a journalist for most of your career? I'm Louise Tickle. I am a journalist who, for the last eight years, I guess now, has specialised in reporting or trying to report on the family justice system, on family courts. So adoption, care proceedings, deprivation of liberty, when parents are in disputes over their children. And when I say trying to, I mean because, uh, yeah, until, until well, it is sort of against the law. Until now, until this new pilot. As a journalist trying to cover the family courts, that makes life incredibly difficult. Yeah, so we, journalists have been allowed to go into private hearings in family courts since 2009. But there hasn't been very much point in us going because a law that was enacted in 1960 essentially said you can't report anything that goes on in there because if you do, it's a contempt of court punishable by a potentially unlimited fine. And the other thing that you can't do is you can't identify any of the people who are involved in the family court proceedings until they come to an end, until there's a final order. And when you take those two bits of law together, essentially, it means that you can't produce anything as a journalist that would help a reader or a listener relate to the people or understand their problems. One of my editors sent me to the Bristol court, I was doing an article for The Guardian about domestic abuse. And it was a point where there was big legal aid cuts, 
people who were saying that they were victims of domestic abuse who wanted injunctions to stop their alleged abuser contacting them were suddenly having to make these applications in family courts by themselves as what's known as a litigant in person. And I was being told it was terrifying and some of them weren't being very successful and were being refused. So I'd written this whole article about it and filed the piece. And my editor then said, well, you haven't gone down to a family court. I need to know what it's like. So off I trotted only to discover that I could sit in all the injunction hearings I wanted, but I wouldn't be able to describe what it was like for a litigant in person to try and make that application by herself, usually herself, to a judge. And I suddenly thought this is absolutely crazy. Louise, just to go back a little bit, for people who have never had any dealings with the family court, can you just walk us through the sort of range and extent of cases that are dealt with by the family court, which therefore might give people a sense of just how important it is now that journalists being allowed in may well lift a veil on on a lot of this. There are often cases that are heard in family courts where potentially somebody might have been found not guilty of an offence in the criminal courts because that standard of proof beyond reasonable doubt hasn't been able to be reached. But where, for instance, nevertheless, their children who might have been affected by their crime are taken off them in family courts on a much lower standard of proof. And so you can be found not guilty of something in a criminal court, but still lose your kids in a family court. And the fact that these two things are happening, I think, sounds bizarre to lots of people and they don't understand it because we can't really explain it or why it's done. I think the other thing that's important to say is that, you know, there is a good reason why there are restrictions on reporting in family courts. I think the restriction on naming people is the right thing because people don't go to family courts because they are there necessarily as criminals. They're often at the most vulnerable, painful part of their life. Their family's broken down, their children are in crisis, they're in crisis. It's so distressing watching people in some family court hearings and the pain and trauma they're enduring. So the idea of that being splashed all over everywhere with your name, I think is really wrong. Yeah, I mean, serious decisions are made, aren't they, about, you know, people having their children taken into care, victims of domestic violence, all sorts of really serious, often kind of traumatic events that happen to ordinary people that in a criminal court would be splashed all over the newspapers and rightfully so and some because it's in the public interest that these cases are reported. But like you said, they're, they're so serious, some of these cases, but they've been held behind closed doors. The state in family courts exerts really draconian powers. Like you said, Liz, you know, your relationship, your your legal relationship with your children can be extinguished in law by a family court judge when a child is placed for adoption. You can have, just as a private individual, if your relationship splits up and it's very, very acrimonious and you end up, you know, in highly litigious court hearings, you can have your child removed from you and placed with the other parent with no right to see them on occasion. It's not often that it happens, but it can happen. Really big things happen out of sight and to date really kind of out of mind and out of any public understanding. So Louise, how will the pilot work and how will it change our understanding of the family courts and, you know, maybe allow a a greater level of scrutiny of the decisions that are being made there? This is broad brushstrokes, but essentially what it means is that whereas before we could go to court and we couldn't report anything, now in the pilot courts, which are Cardiff and Carlisle and Leeds, 
accredited journalists who've got a press card will be allowed to go to these courts and assuming that everything goes as planned and so far it has, you will be able to report whatever goes on in front of the judge as long as you carefully anonymise the family. Louise, that was fascinating. Thank you so much for your time and for talking to us. All right, take care. So that's it for this bonus episode. We'll be back on Monday to tell you more about baby N. He was a premature baby who the jury's been told was admitted to hospital because he had haemophilia. Lucy Letby is accused of trying to murder him three times on two separate shifts at the start of June 2016. She denies the charges. Thanks again for listening and don't forget you can follow the case by reading my daily reports in the mail and on Mail Plus. Feel free to give us a rating and you can also follow us on Twitter at Lucy Letby Trial or send us an email at thetrialoflucyletby at gmail.com. See you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. But here's one anyway. Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I know about me. If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again, because this is the GC as you've never heard her before. It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby. I don't have camel toe. Unbelievable. And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And, uh, yeah, I remember that being really stressful. Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.